0: gets a bit more upset about Harry continuously saying Budweiser's name Sick. Like, it's, it's, it's always like Harry says his name and then he's just wrong this crunching avatar it or whatever
1: hello everyone. welcome to the first episode of the audiobook podcast. The book that we're reviewing today is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I think it feels it feels right to pick Harry Potter as the first book to review in a book review podcast. It, it's the biggest book in the world. It's a title everybody knows. It's familiar ground to start this unfamiliar venture. It's something that we've we've all have different experiences with and something that we can uh, get into a flow and talk about. I'm just going to ask each of my co-hosts here, uh, what do you know about this book?
2: Uh, I know the book Inside and Out, uh, cover to cover, uh, back to front. Uh, I could talk for days about it.
1: Have you read and experienced all the external uh, universe media? Uh,
2: I wouldn't say all of it because I think there's so much, but uh, definitely a good lot.
1: (laughs) So Um, you mean you haven't read all 10,000 fan fictions?
2: Well, I'm getting through them, but it's a bit of a slog.
1: <laughs> no. uh, yeah, it's a well, Jonathan. Um, yeah, oh sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. Just,
2: just on that, uh, I I did when I was younger, like read through some of the fan fictions, and and some of them were pretty good, and some of them were trash. And yeah,
1: some of them are absolutely horrible, but yeah, some some are good.
2: I actually wrote a chapter for one. Uh, oh I, really? I'll never be able to find it now, and I can't remember what it was about. But yeah, that's
1: a shame. Like we could have reviewed that as well. Like,
2: no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. <laughs> I wouldn't put myself through that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Jonathan, what about you? Uh, what's your experience with this book?
0: Um, well, backstage this is the first time that I've ever um read the book. Um, I was always a fan of the, the films, you know, growing up. Um, the, these were the, the big blockbusters um, when I was younger. Um, but as for the audiobook, um the, actual, the hard book itself I had never read, but the audiobook, this is the first time. And I'd say, I actually I think that it was probably better than the films. Um, I think the detail that the book actually goes into um, kind of ignited that kind of passion that I had for it when I was younger kind of reignited it so um, no I think the the audiobook was a great experience for me um, yeah they actually go for it
1: the way um, I've heard it like described the difference between the movies and the books um, is like the movies is where you want to see Hogwarts but if you want to be in Hogwarts you read the books yeah and I, I think that's d- yeah yeah I that kind of sums up how I would feel the difference between them um, so I'll just go over what, uh, what I know about the book. Um, I've read the book, I would say, at least half a dozen times. You know, I've I've reread this book so many times. It's one of the few books that I do come back to every few years or so. Um, I've seen all the movies.
2: But just on just on that, because I forget to say, yeah, it's 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 one it's a book that I would kind of, typically read once a year, usually around Christmas time. So, right now. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, so, just yeah, for me, just for because it, it feels a like nice
0: a, even though this is the first time I read the book, the actual movies I would always watch around Christmas time.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's like a nice tradition that I like to do. So yeah, I, I uh, definitely familiar with it.
1: I think it's that kind of cold season. I always I do associate it with as well. I think a lot of people are the same. It's a Christmas kind of watch for some reason, even though there's it's I not majorly. Christmas It's a magical yeah. time apparently, so it's Yeah, it could be something like that, yeah. Okay, so I think we're gonna hop straight onto our review here. We've we've all read this book, um so we're we're gonna just break it down here. Uh I think Jonathan, what was your impressions reading this since this was your first time read, reading the book? Um you've briefly gone over it there, but if you wanna go into a bit more detail.
0: Well, I think the main thing is is the differences between for me the main the differences between the movie and the book, um, and one thing that I um, spoke with both of the co-hosts here about um, is is the character of Peeves who was uh, left out of the films. Um, so I believe that they what they actually did film um, scenes, but they actually just cut them out then from the first uh, movie. But I just think it's it was such a because it's kind of a prankster character you know if maybe it would have been better to have it in the movie um especially for you know a younger audience um yeah i'm not completely sure why they cut them out cut it out but i just think that the books and reading about you know the mischief mischief of uh peeves kind of was one of the main things i enjoyed more about the book than i did about the movie
2: yeah would you say he's your favorite character
0: I would I would say he's up there, and I, he's, I would have I would have liked they've seen Peeves at Hogwarts as a a live human being.
1: Like um, re- rereading the book, you can definitely it's definitely emphasised that this is a children's book. It's like it is very silly in tone at times, but I think that fits well with everything.
0: Well, yeah, um, go on, sim.
2: Yeah, it's like a, it's a kids' book, but there's like a, there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of intricate uh, kind of emotional stuff wrapped up in it, um, and kind of yeah. obviously, you know, themes of neglect and stuff like that as well, and uh, yeah, all that kind of a jazz, lot of so. um,
1: a lot of uh, loss is like a very common thread in Harry Potter. Yeah, so it's like in a a ki- in general.
2: it's like a kids' book that's wrapped in a lot of kind of more adult sort of themes.
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it's then uh, J.K. Rowling's her, her her mom like passed away just before um she published this book, so like you can kind of feel the gravity and the weight of that. I think, oh, really? and and these books, just in terms of um, uh, in terms of characters, how do you think? Uh, how do you feel like Harry Potter handles characters? Do you feel like they're they're well fleshed out? They're well written, or
0: I think yeah, um, like. The, the, the character of Snape um, is one particularly, you know, that person that, you know, kind of hates Harry is, is kind of his, you know, almost his enemy at school. But he also then has an actual child enemy as well in Malfoy. So I feel like the fact that he's got all these people against him at this place that's, you know, he's, he's got away from, you know, his non magical life with, you know, the Dursleys. So he's, um, now in this new world, which he's really enjoying, but there's still these people that are against him in some way, and and obviously the the main adversary of um, Voldemort is is oh
2: was I not supposed to say that? Uh, Spoiler. Sorry, uh, he he must not have be been named. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, <it's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he. Um, yeah, so he's come out of the the normal world where everything's boring, and the worst thing he has to deal with is the Dursleys. Just you know, yeah, you the neglect and stuff. But now he, he's got people trying to murder him and things like that. So, but, yeah. but somehow this world is better for him. So I think the characters in the magical world make that.
1: Yeah, I think that's um that's part of like what makes the story so enduring is like that contrast between them um, has his normal horrible life and then this uh wish fulfillment of going to the school and doing all these spells and stuff it's like it's like you're on your own mundane world and then picking up these books is like you go into that what, what about you Stephen? what do you think about the characters and harry potter
2: well i think i think they are all well defined kind of each one um you know they all have different intricacies that are kind of unique to them like uh I think of examples like dumbledore's a weirdo um and he's got like you know he's like (laughs) uh completely odd and and strange even for someone who lives in a magical world um yeah you know you've got you've got uh ron who's uh you know struggling against all the all the brothers and stuff um hermione who's like he's kind of know-it-all person who you know doesn't get People don't people don't get on with her because she's like a show off sort of thing and yeah they have all got sort of um their you know their own thing to show and uh, I wouldn't say I can't think of any two characters that are they're all the st- same they're
1: all distinct yeah, they're all, yeah they're,
2: distinct yes, yeah. Maybe, they're, they're, are, uh, yeah yeah maybe maybe and Goll are yeah same but again that uh, yeah I mean what, it feels like it's
1: that serves a, fu- a serves a function like doesn't it doesn't it's not like it's not a flaw yeah. really it doesn't feel like yeah yeah.
0: Even that they're in this magical school, which is, you know, make-believe, it still feels like these are people that could have been at your own school. You know, there was yeah. always that person in your class who was the smartest yeah, Yeah. show-off, and there's, you know, the bullies and things like that. It's, it still has that school feeling. Yeah, it has that yeah.
2: sort of reflection, yeah, of, like, my own life, certainly, yeah.
1: What do you think about um, Harry himself as a character? Do you think he's is a good pro-
2: protagonist? Um, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess he is. Like I mean, he kind of bugs me at times. But <laughs> yeah, because he's um. I think
0: yeah that yeah he tries to you know, because all this has happened to him. I feel like he often goes feels like other people shouldn't be you know putting themselves in harm's way for him. Yeah, and he yeah kinda, in a way he's trying to be you know selfless, but he's at that same time being selfish by making it all about him.
1: Did you get any more like? Do you feel like you got any more insight into him, Jonathan, as reading the book compared to um formally just having watched the movies, or do you feel it, it just um, the movies give think, a good I reflection?
0: Think, yeah, I think because he is the main character, the movies you know make a, a big effort to portray his character very well. Yeah, I think there's other things like like for example in the books I feel like Fred and George, who are two of my favorite characters, get a lot more. You know, um, focus I know I yeah, screen time because it's a book, but yeah, focus yeah. <laughs> um, so in the books, and you know, obviously their their stuff is quite interesting. You know, their their jokes, the the pranks and things that they play, um, and they're just quite f- funny characters. So I think that um, there's star there characters within the book that I feel get more focus than than were in the actual um, movie.
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think it's one of the biggest strong points of Harry Potter is the. As every character does, as Stephen was saying, feels very distinct. Even like even characters who get the briefest of mentions, who are here for just moments, it's something I think J.K. Rowling does really well. As her side characters, her secondary characters, are just they feel so distinct and so there. Even sometimes uh, I think people have like criticized these books retrospectively of like the Dursleys being a bit one dimensional because they only serve one purpose of being horrible, but. Again, I think it's a children's book. It's you know, it's well, those characters are there just to just to serve a function of exhibiting Harry's horrible life. I don't think every character has to be really fleshed out. You can not just have a character who's about one note, I, especially I th- if it's a secondary character.
2: I think if just on the Dursleys, I think she she does go back in sort of the later books and kind of corrects that one note at uh, least yeah at least we mrs dursley and dudley maybe not we vernon so much but they they, they she, she kind of portrays a different side to them where like you know petunia's got the jealous sort of thing going on and dudley yeah
1: yeah i was gonna say i don't know how much of like our structure it's breaking to talk about future but just like to be vague about it i would say i think that's something jk rowland does really well as well she always and future books she does elaborate on things and she always corrects uh, maybe not previous errors but she thinks that don't feel as fleshed out she does go on to more than in the future i feel like she was good at addressing things like that yeah and i didn't say anything about harry i just want to say i do think he's a really good protagonist he's not like you've got hermione who is probably a more fleshed out character than harry because I feel like she has a an insert. I feel she has Mary
2: Sue. Is that the term?
1: Uh, yeah. You could maybe say I uh, because, uh, like a Mary Sue for anybody who's listening who doesn't know is like, it's basically a character who's good at everything and they they can solve conflicts and it doesn't really feel earned. I would say, Hermione's not that bad because we know why Hermione's good at things. She reads a lot, you know. She so she, it does feel a bit more earned when she solves problems. But um, I would say, yeah, I would say Harry's not as fleshed out as Hermione because I think Hermione has J.K. Rowling. I think yeah. that as a self-insert of the offer, uh, he's probably not even as fleshed out as Ron. But he still, he's. I think the fact that he isn't as distinct means that you can place yourself. You can be Harry more.
2: That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Um. Is you can as you read like or reading or listening to the book, you you kind of. Well, I do in a way, kind of insert myself into that character in a way where it's like you know, I'm kind of it's from my POV. Then does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Like I get, I get, I get really immersed. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely, I I would agree.
1: Yeah, so thus so keeping on the topic of characters, uh, Jonathan touched on this briefly that there's a lot of foils in this um book. There's a lot of characters who are just obstacles for Harry, but. Uh, in terms of main villains, how do you f- how do you feel this book handles villains? What do you what do you think of the villains?
2: Well, let's discuss who the villains are first of all <laughs> of the piece. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you've got the the big bad, yeah, who must not be named, and I shan't name him. <laughs> uh, you've got Quirrell, who is like an extension of him. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Snape is also has that sort of villainous streak.
1: Yeah. Or at
2: least and, and you're led j- to believe yeah. that he's
1: the villain. Um, and as Malfoy, Jonathan was saying, Malfoy, yeah,
2: Malfoy and the Dursleys, yeah. So, um, what was the question? <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you feel it handles villains? I mean, what what do you think makes a good villain?
2: Um, what makes a good villain? Well, I suppose a reason for why they're they're a villain, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They they have a there's they, they, motivation. They have a motivation rather than just I'm just evil like yeah for no reason yeah. Um, and I guess that's not really explored much in the. That's in right, the first yeah, that's book.
1: yeah, that's uh, something the series touches on more. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you know, you you we'll talk about the I'll talk about the big one first. So he must not be named. He kind of um, it's very there's a like an air of mystery around him because you know people aren't talking about him. People don't like to talk about him. Yeah. And, he's um, scary. You, yeah, he's supposed to be like a, a bogeyman. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. You, you don't really know much about him in the in the first one. Apart from me, you know kel Paris, Paris
1: spoiler <laughs> I can still remember my first time watching the movies reading the books I thought Voldemort was very scary yeah the mystery behind him felt more intense than any anything that could ever be revealed uh what about you Jonathan how do you
0: just on the Voldemort mystery and scariness. Uh, <laughs> sorry, he he must not be named. You're you're worse than Ron in the book. Actually, I think it's another distinction between the book and the movie is that uh, Ron gets a bit more upset about Harry continuously saying Voldemort's name. See, like, it's, it's, it's always like. Harry says his name and then he's just wrong. this crunching of it yeah. or whatever but um, yeah the, the actual the scene it's, it's in the books as well and, and the movies especially because that was where I first seen it when I was younger and um, more susceptible to being frightened yeah. by things it was when they're in the For- Forbidden Forest and they first see Voldemort who's it's actually a Quirrell, but he's got the, the, the he's cloaked and hooded so you don't actually see his face or not, so you don't know yeah. Who it is until um, Harry has the experience with the person, yeah. and then you know the the centaurs and Hagrid kind of discuss who it actually was, and Harry realizes who, who it was. Um, that 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 scene in itself is kind of I feel sums up the kind of fear of who Voldemort yeah. was. But I think yeah, I cannot. Let's speak about it earlier. About um, my my favorite kind of character, who is essentially in this first one and I is is bad, who is betrayed as bad from the from the get go is Professor Snape. And he's just—I think it's because he's that teacher—that again, like I said before, there's like the all these students, all the characters, kind of—you could kind of relate them to the real life people. Um, in, that you were at school, yeah. there was always that teacher that was kind of really strict and really mean, yeah. and just kind of felt like you know they would get on the just for no reason, just because they were angry at something else and you, they were taking it out on you. And I feel like like a shorthand,
1: a, yeah,
2: a portrayal of it. You know. Yeah, and they did have their favorites too, who they weren't as mean to. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think he he was just yeah, a great a great character, I think, just because he, he was actually, I mean, a great character you'd think would have to be so made up, but he's actually a great character because he's so similar to somebody in real life.
1: Yeah, it would be getting on the spoiler for the rest of the series, but I think he's, the way his motivations are handled throughout the series is, the way it's elaborated on is something again that Roland handles really well.
2: Yeah. But I, will, I, will, I would like to say, though, that everybody seems to, like... This is kind of touches on future titles again, but everybody seems to, like, um, love Snape towards yeah. the end, yeah. right? And I don't. I still think he's a
1: yeah.
2: There was, no, there was no need for like, a <laughs> way. If we ever get James to the last H- book,
1: I, I may or may not agree with you, Steve and I have strong feelings about it as well, but we'll yeah. we'll see if we ever get to the last book in this, and, and we'll, we'll definitely touch on that, because I also yeah. have very strong opinions on that. Yeah. I think we touched on character well there. Um, fantasy as a genre definitely, big emphasis on setting. How do you feel about the settings of Harry Potter, like Hogwarts, and the train, and so many like iconic places?
2: Well, yeah, so I mentioned it before about getting really immersed, and I, it, it definitely with this series and not so many other series, I I can fully picture the world. So I think it's really well well done, like really well described everything and and all the rest of it, because I can properly picture everything in my mind's eye as I'm as I'm listening or reading. So yeah, I I really like the set and I think it's really well done.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think. Um just because i've seen the film first whenever i read the book or listen to the audiobook sorry i kind of just picture what i've seen in the yeah, film definitely so, and you just once you've seen yeah. it you can't get yeah, away from that definitely so i feel like I, I do feel the book does describe it well in terms of um well i suppose the movie cannot you know try to copy what the book was describing so the movie actually did a good job of doing what the book said um but I feel like yeah, uh, for future books, you know, ones that there is a movie for, but I haven't seen. You know, it would be a better comparison at that stage. Yeah. But yeah, I just kind of, I just think think about the movie when I'm picturing it. Yeah,
1: setting to me, I think it's the strongest uh, part about the series. I think um, Hogwarts, Diagon Alley, all the all the places that are introduced, they're just so well realized. There's there's brief mentions of history, but see, I don't know if he's picked up on this, like reading this this time, but. There's so many things that are hinted at that are become part of the series later. Just when they're walking through Diagon Alley, it's like, oh, this is this is brought up in the last book again. This is, I think, like, oh, yeah. I think uh, J.K. Rowling. Like, I don't think she is this genius who had the master plan all along, which some people think. I think she's really good. She was really good at going back and saying, "I'm going to use that again."
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Like a lot of stuff's weaved together. Like even, even in the first book. Um, this might—I don't know how far you've got, Johnson, reading the others, but one character that I always—it always kind of sticks in my mind when I re- re- listen to the first book again—is uh, Daedalus Diggle. If you know him, at the very start they talk about him a few times. Mm-hmm. He 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 appears in the last book for the first time, I think, and you know, I I just I just think that's a nice nice touch to have. Stuff like that where characters come back.
0: Well, even all all of like that, doesn't he? Like yeah. he, he's only in the first book. Yeah. And then he appears then in the last one. But again. this is
2: this is a character who's like he doesn't really have much of a role, you know. But he's still yeah. the fact that he shows up again is still like a nice wee like nod, you know. Yeah. Like, that it's that is that it is a world. Yeah. Not it just makes like a, it
1: makes the world feel like ah, it's so real. It makes it feel like a loving, yeah. breathing place when you get more on a character that yeah, like that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So that uh, every time I listen to it, yeah, that that kind of uh, sticks out to me, and I think, what is it? The Linus it's McGonagall. It's it. I think it's the very first chapter. It's McGonagall talking to Dumbledore, and he says, "There's something about shooting stars." Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, in and a country, and, and McGonagall says, "You know, I bet that was it was stiggle and and yeah. And then you yeah, meet him later on, yeah. and you, you kind of get that sense that it would have been him because of
1: how yeah. he acts. You know, I think yeah, that um, that makes me think of like a common another common criticism of Harry Potter is um, it's well, it's some people I've seen people on the internet say sometimes they're like the world building it's not as deep as like something like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, but it's hard to hard to ever be as deep as Lord of the Rings in terms of world, world building because that took twenty years to world build, but. Like yeah. I think, I think these are deep world built books. Like I think there is a lot going on. It's just JK Rowling not so good at that. She breezes over things where it feels What'd simple, you... but there's a lot going on.
2: Just, just on that, you mentioned Game of Thrones, didn't? In the world building, the actual world itself, didn't he base a lot of that on England and like? Yeah, yeah, War of it's,
1: Roses, yeah, War
2: of so Roses being... yeah, yeah. So he's, he's, you know. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's derivative, but it's definitely. Yeah,
1: we. I'm sure we will review that book eventually. We can talk about that. Yeah.
2: Well, let let, let me let me ask you this: does 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 this fit into setting right? Because the first uh, first couple of chapters, I think, is really good because um, you know, it's, there's still that sort of era mystery. Um, yeah. Where you know he, he, he he's talking about how he goes to school and uh, these weird things are happening like he he. Suddenly, ended up on the roof, and he and he thought the wind pipe, like caught him mid jump yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And you, they go to the zoo and all that and all the weird stuff happens, and I think that's the that's, those first couple of chapters are really really good because yeah they kind of kind of introduce the character and um, you know set up the sort of mystery mysterious feeling.
1: One of my favorite authors, he, he would describe he would always say that fantasy as in the genre. It's like the window dressing around a genre. The actual genre. So Harry Potter is actually the genre is fantasy mystery really, I would say. It is, these are mystery books. They're based on the characters looking for clues, finding the information. That's what drives the plots in all of these books. How did you how do you feel about um the mystery in this book? That was it like a compelling mystery? Did you did you guess anything? from your first reading was it was it easy to figure out that it surprised you things like that
2: well it's hard to know because my first lesson reading lesson would have been like 20, 20 something years ago so yeah yeah that's it's hard to say but uh and yeah and that's kind of modeled by the, the films and stuff too so i'm not really sure i think the the comment on
0: this i think the um the biggest thing for me, so this is probably the main spoiler um, of the whole thing, is that Professor Quirrell and Voldemort, you know, were sharing the same body. I think the fact that it was Professor Quirrell was helping him. You know, the whole thing leads you towards thinking it's Snape. Snape's now, a I, red herring, like, yeah. As, as someone, like, as a child, you'll obviously fall for that, and you'll think Snape's the bad guy, because you think this is just, you know, a classic, like, you know, Disney movie where it's completely obvious or yeah. whatever. But it's, um, I think even for the person that's you know like okay it's they're obviously pointing us towards Snape so it's not Snape so who else could it be I think guessing that it was Professor Quirrell would have been you know quite out there you know it's you know you kind of win a scene that it was him so I feel like the the whole keeping that I'm say that Quirrell was actually the bad guy all along was you know quite good I remember you know being quite surprised by that one watching it when I was younger.
1: Do you feel like it's a, a satisfying reveal? Like I think that's like a line that Mastery's toe with has to it has to be surprising, but it also has to feel inevitable. Like you could have guessed it. Though, like, were you satisfied by it being revealed with Quirrell, if you can like remember back?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think it was. Um, sorry to cut in, but yeah. I think it was satisfying because it was like it was like a kind of shock. It would have been like a shock. Like, oh, no way. It was it was ham. Yeah, this wee like nerdy, kinda shy, scared guy. Hardly. He turns out to be this pure hard, <laughs> hard guy. Yeah. See, could
0: I, I need this? Is a question. I I think this might be a distinction between the book. I would need to go back. In in the, you know, Quirrell can't touch Harry. Yeah. But in the yeah. book, I, I I'm pretty sure he shakes his hand in the book, and in the film actually. Yeah, he, in the following, right. he pulls his hand away. Like he doesn't shake Harry's hand when he puts his hand out to shake it.
1: Right. Uh,
0: I've never in really. The book? Noticed did you say that.
2: he does that? He put he pulls away.
0: No, In the book, in
2: the book, he actually shakes it. All right, right. Uh, we'll see, I, w- I was going to bring this up later, but or mention this at some point, but at that point, I don't think, as, as I remember, I don't think Voldemort has merged with him Yeah. right? Because so he's a, a, he, he, he says is Professor Quirrell at that stage, yeah. He says it's something at the end, um, where it's like, uh, my master had to keep a, a closer eye on me, and I think that's happening after that is when they kind of fused.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. See, that makes sense. I feel like the the fault maybe the movie thought that it might be a bit hard for the, the the watcher to you know get that, so they maybe tuck the handshake out. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. like, people would question
2: it like I'm doing right now, so maybe that's why the movie did that. But another thing, the movie, isn't he also wearing the turban, which doesn't make sense if yeah. he's not. yeah he Because obviously in the book, I don't think they describe what he's wearing like. But. Yeah. But I think it's, it's subtle things like that. You know where. You you kind of have to read between the lines to get to realize that if if that is the case that you know it's just quarrel by himself at that stage yeah. in the book. You kind of have to read between the lines to re- to work that out, and that's that's why I like reading them every year because there's still like stuff to figure out and uh, theory craft as well. Me and me and the misses like to uh to, th- to theorize <laughs> about stuff that we'll never get <laughs> answers to because it's a fictional setting and yeah.
1: And that that is a sign of good world building that so many people write so many fan fictions and and have so many theories because the world just does feel so real to everybody in terms of the mystery and everything i i did find um it's satisf- satisfying reveal as jonathan was saying um the fact that it was snape it was heavily signposted and it probably as a mystery where an, a, an adult would probably figure it out but it has a children's book and it's enough kind of the full children i think so it is effective the only, thing, the only complaint I would have about the plot and this is really it, it happens a lot in the Chamber of Secrets especially but it happens in this book too where a lot of the re- information reveal sometimes can feel a bit unearned because a lot of it is just very coincidental. It's Harry stumbling around a corner when two people happen to be having an important conversation and it happens it happens a lot in Chamber of Secrets. If that's a book we're week review later that will i'll point out several examples but i think she gets away with it because he's got the invisibility cloak so it feels like it's part part of how things work a bit more but there is a lot of coincidences i think in the first couple of books
2: i think yeah it's i think in chamber secrets is kind of uh it's, it's definitely more blatant but it does happen in the first book like um
1: I, I would definitely say I think Chamber of Secrets is probably the weakest of the series, but I don't know if that's I, a controversial I I opinion or. I would agree. <laughs> there's, I still, I still like a lot about that book, and if we talk about it, I will talk about the things I like. But I definitely say it would be the I weakest in my opinion. Uh,
2: only the only the only reason I would rate the first one higher is because it's the first one.
0: The master is kind of first introduced and stuff.
2: Uh, what was I going to yeah. say? Yeah, so so examples of that like like Michael like uh, obviously Forbidden Forest thing uh the the time they they meet in i'd say the restricted section snape and Quirrell stuff like that
1: yeah yeah i think i think um like every single story ever has coincidence isn't it and you have to let some stuff go but i think it just happens a bit too much in oh, chamber of secrets just yeah, the, the first book a... though
2: what can, what like examples
1: um yeah yeah like the snape and Quirrell conversation is one of them there um there's just i, I can't think off the top of my head now but there there's a few few that always come to mind every time i reread them and i was just like it, it, it does feel very coincidental uh, but it's a it's a very minor it's a very minor complaint like it's it's not a big deal well yeah but, so um, just, just me. So,
2: i'm just gonna try and think up some now so snape and Coral yeah. outside the uh, restricted section the how am getting finding the mirror then uh, isn't that after that it's a bit random uh what else uh because you know he need needed to find that to be able to solve the puzzle at the end <laughs> so
0: yeah the the, the the dog too when, when yeah. he stumbles across thing, yeah like they just kind of like go yeah. go under that room by yeah. accident they yeah. get away from college. so like
1: i I think like in a mystery you, you ideally want to feel like people are figuring things out not stumbling onto things like if if that makes sense so if,
0: I guess I guess because it is it is children like they're trying to make it seem a bit clumsy. Yeah, and that is like that, some that, that is
1: something you can always say about Harry Potter. It's these books are for children. Like yeah. so, I think you should be more forgiven on things.
2: Now an- another kind of one uh, which is not really like the protagonist doesn't stumble upon something, but Malfoy finding out about Norbert is a bit of a I don't know where isn't it? Doesn't he? Yeah, or is it? I can't remember. He visits Ron in the hospital and then. For some reason, the, the, like yeah. I can't remember now, or did did he overhear them talking, and that's why he went to the to the library?
1: Uh something like that. There's a lot of just people overhearing things. Next thing I wanted to talk about is uh I don't know if you have any opinions on this. If if not, we can move on. But do you have any opinions on like J.K. Rowling's writing style?
2: <laughs> not really. I mean, uh I, uh. I like it.
0: <laughs> I think I think it's quite it's quite easy. Like it is simple. Like it's easy for like. Yeah, child 2, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 quite easy to listen to.
1: Yeah, it's very whimsical. Yeah,
0: yeah, you could just like stick it on, and it's, you don't have to put too much effort in to listen to it. You know, it's just kind of yeah. So I, I do. I think that's good. I
1: think she has like good like economy of description part where she where she would describe Hagrid. It's just like he he was too big to exist or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a very. It's it's a very <laughs> simple line, but it just it describes exactly what Hagrid does. Too big and just to like, be allowed. I
2: think is the yeah yeah that's um, it.
1: I, and I she does that so often. I think like you know uh, Vernon's face turned beetroot and everything. It's really vivid and it's it's doesn't take up many words. It's just so economical, good description. I think. One one complaint that a lot of people say about, and it's not as obvious in the audiobook, but people say she l- uses a lot of adverbs. One really, one that she uses a lot is um, everything Percy says is pompously. People don't like a lot of adverbs and description because it's kind of, it's telling you what they think of the character without letting the, the character's personality do the heavy lifting. Yeah. But I don't think, it doesn't stand out as much to me on an audiobook format. Like it's and it doesn't really annoy me anyway. I just I think it's just worth mentioning it as something people complain about, but I don't think it's a big deal. So this this is an audiobook that we're reviewing, so I think we should at least touch on now, uh, Stephen Fry's performance here. What do you think about how Stephen Fry delivers this book? Well,
0: um yeah, anyone that's listening to Stephen Fry knows that he's just an absolute treat to listen to. His his voice is very, you know, it's it's he's got a very calm voice, but he also does like the voices as well. Like I think, particularly in this book, is Hagrid, is just like spot on. Like, but he does, you know. I, I think maybe his female voices are a bit maybe mm-hmm. they they sound kind of the same. Yeah. But I, I guess it is hard for for a male movie to do female voices, but um, no, I think I think uh, a lot of us the characters, you know, um. I don't know like if he based like, you because know, he probably has seen the movies himself, of course. Like if he's like, you know, just seen the movie and just kinda try to recreate what the actor sounded like. Um, but but regardless, um like he's just yeah, he's got a quite a quite a nice voice to listen to. Um quite easy on the ears.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree. Like I could, I could listen to Stephen Fry all day. Um, it's he, just it's just so easy to listen to, and his voice is it just it's like it's like music to me, you know. And yeah, it's, it, it just the way he does the characters is brilliant, and I couldn't think of a better voice actor, like not voice actor, but you know, reader. Yeah, narrator. Such, yeah. For, for any book, yeah. like if he, I could listen to him doing yeah. anything, and it would I, just chill me yeah. out, no matter what.
1: I feel like I did a lot of complaining in previous sections, so I'm going to make up for it now and say I have absolutely no complaints at all about Stephen Fry's performance. He is absolutely amazing, and I agree 100% with you. He's, all his voices are so distinct, and he just he suits this story so well, but like Stephen was saying, he could read anything, I think. But he, he just does an amazing job here, and I genuinely think... I've, I've, I've listened to hundreds of audiobooks. I think this is either the best... Or, or it's definitely in my top three, audiobook performances. It's just, it's just amazing. It's
2: definitely up there, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> it's, it's very consistent too. Like, um, I, I've noticed in a few books that I've listened to, where the, the, the person reading, um, you know, stumbles with sometimes with a character's name or um, maybe just. Um, do you know a certain way they would say something? Happens that, a lot. Happens a lot in
1: Game of Thrones, I can tell you, because I've been listening to that book recently. Uh,
2: they, call, they always calls Joffrey Jeffrey. Not... Yeah, yeah. And Catelyn yeah, is so, Caitlin. So uh, he's very, he's very consistent, and I don't know. I just get the feeling that he is a fan of the books as well. If if that makes yeah, sense, yeah, he, he gets, he gets, on he, that. He, he put a lot. Yeah, his, of, put a lot into it. Passion
1: definitely comes across by time. I would agree.
2: Mm, which is which is a big point. Big selling point for me for for uh, definitely.
0: I love I love when he says like Malfoy as well because he always goes Draco Malfoy, like it's it's, yeah. it's, it's like pure like, yeah. posh and it's like it kind of describes how like kind of much you hate the character by the way he's saying this. That's
2: yeah. I yeah. see that, that I'm gonna just take back something I said there. There's one instance where he does. Maybe it's actually all of them. Now that I think about it, but the way he says Gryffindor, the first at least the first couple of times, is a bit. It's a bit weird. He says like grif- Gryffindor. Yeah. Hey, I
1: did notice that. Yeah. So, I think that's that's most of the things I wanted to touch over on the reviews. I just want to say, is there anything, any criticisms you would have of this book? Anything that we didn't go over?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll I'll start. Because I, I definitely uh, have something to bring Norbert up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the Norbert
2: but The whole Norbert but <laughs> I think is pointless mm-hmm. um, and I don't I don't know why, why it's included. I, I I do like that but yeah. but for pure for pure pure plot I don't think it's in support. Yeah. Um like the 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 outcome of that is that he they get detention and I'm sure there was uh, hundreds of ways that they could have got detention. Yeah. otherwise, uh where where that's like it's at least a full chapter. Yeah. I mean I guess it does kind of flesh Haggard out a bit more, you know that he likes he likes monsters and creature and interesting creatures yeah. as he calls them. But here don't, but, don't they
0: also lose hundred and fifty points for Gryffindor doing that? Yeah. So, you know, the how they build the tension with the the yeah. um the the house cup.
1: Definitely does serve a purpose, I would say, but I, w- I would nearly I would agree with Stephen too. I, I do think it is one of the weaker sections of the book.
2: Yeah. Um like this there's a few things that happen in it that it's interesting but it's never expanded upon like Charlie comes away as mates or no Charlie's mates come and they take Norbert away and stuff but like you never see them ever again yeah. and, and stuff and you never get to see Charlie in Romania yeah. doing the dragon and stuff and as we so, said like,
1: before like JK Rowling was so good at expanding on things that she's used previously It was weird that she doesn't expand on that ever Yeah. what about you Jonathan do you have any any complaints any criticisms?
0: No, I I actually quite enjoyed the book like. I, I don't really have anything that's nothing major that I didn't not enjoy about it. It's
1: Yeah. Yeah. What Stephen? do you have anything else to add? Because I have I have a big topic I want to uh, bring up next that we're Let, let me to get. Well, you go
2: you go first and then okay, I'll have a I'm going to get
1: really heated over this because <laughs> <laughs> this is uh good. this is something that the internet complains about a lot. This is something that really, really annoys me. We have to talk about Quidditch. Oh, okay. The point system in Quidditch makes absolutely no sense, and I hate it. I hate it so much. Well,
2: the whole game is ca- the whole game is a bit, yeah. F- like, because you know, the snitch just the the snitch is like the main point for There's no point. the There's just no point. There's no point in any but of the game apart from it, the seeker. It ruins the game. Yeah, yeah. It does like. If it was if it was just let's you know let's call it what it is a basketball like football club yeah. right We're kind of mixed between them. well yeah if it was that it probably would have been it probably would have been far better <laughs> to yeah be honest. But, Re-
1: remove the snatch put a timer or something and that's you fixed Quidditch it's it's interesting now yeah put a timer on it, yeah, exac- yeah.
2: exactly yeah now Although, the other players I, have I w- a purpose. I will say though that that. Even though I don't like the snitch, like fundamentally, I do think I like that the games can go on for days. I, I think that's just just an interesting thing. Where mm, it's like yeah. it's like a weird, it's like a, it's it's like a weird a, quirk. Another guy. example where the magical world is kind of weird in yeah, that sense, where like yeah. everybody's okay for the yeah. the sport to go on for days. I can see that. Yeah. What they should
0: do instead is like so the snitch you catch the snitch you get hundred fifty points and the game ends. And obviously most of the time that's going to mean that you win win the game unless the other team had more than 150 points by the time you caught it. Yeah. But what they should do is just make the snitch maybe worth, say, 50 or 100 or whatever, some amount of points. But when you catch it, it doesn't end. It just resets, and there is a time limit. So then yeah. by the end, like if you catch the snitch, you get a massive boost of points, essentially. Yeah. So it is like, because it is quite difficult to do. It so is you like can stall my... Mac- and-
1: you can still make, like, the the purpose of the Seeker is so Harry can be the hero. Like, it's narratively satisfying. Yeah. We get to see yeah. Harry be the big hero. So you can still, yeah, you could, there's so many ways she could have worked it where there's still a Seeker. Harry gets his big moment and Quidditch makes a bit more sense. I wish she, I wish this is something that had have been, like, addressed to her and she had have reworked it a bit because it could, it could have made sense. But it just, the way it says it, Yeah
2: another thing about those chapters though there's a lot of like um it's sometimes it's not some of the some of the quietest chapters in, in all the books it's not always just about the people playing too it's like a lot of uh spectator stuff goes on as yeah, well yeah uh, or like commentary box I, I seem to remember from the first one where like, yeah. lee jordan is doing his whole thing yeah um and i don't know it it, it feels kind of weird <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a POV switch, you know. I yeah,
1: mean, because you know. that well, that's one thing um to if I can even talk about like writing style again to get boring again, but um there's a there's a point of view, there's different points of view uh styles. One is called omniscient, which just means that you're talking from like the perspective of basically the narrator. You're you're like god. Uh J.R.R. T- Tolkien uses this. Um it's not really common to write in but um, J.K. Rowling does weird things with POV. Sometimes she starts chapters um in omniscient, then she'll go to third person limited, which is basically just through the eyes of the character, and they don't they don't know what anybody else is thinking or anything. And then she'll skip onto somebody else's POV, just for like a couple of sentences. Then she'll go back into omniscient. So especially during Quidditch games, she does a lot of weird things with POV, as like you we were saying. But that's just one technical thing too. And I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. Just saying, it's a it's a thing you don't read in many other books.
2: Yeah, I think now that you brought it up, yeah, Quidditch is it's definitely on the weaker side. I think for me, yeah. I I do like those chapters, but
1: yeah, I still like that, that Quidditch it exists. Do a
2: lot for the plot. Yeah. yeah, I like yeah I like that it exists, and it again it, it expands the world in that in yeah. that sort of way. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything really for the plot. I mean, let's let's look at it purely from the first book. So Harry's good seeker. That means he can catch the key at the end. That's kind of the the reason that the thing, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it could have been anybody. They all, they all could have just yeah. Long should be a good flyer, surely. Yeah, but yeah, you know.
1: I like that. I like um, I like that Harry is good at something naturally. Like you were, you brought up the fact about Mary Sue earlier. One yeah. thing that you can definitely say Harry Potter is not a Mary Sue. He he always earns, like, you always see, like, for example, in the third one, when he uses his spells, you see him agonizing learning these spells and stuff. He always does earn his victories and everything, and he's got such a crap life outside of Hogwarts. He's definitely not, like, a wish fulfillment character before the plot begins. So, So I like that there's just one thing that he's good at, and that's it. Like it, it, just feels that, like a good balance.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. That, that's just that's kind of triggered something in, in my, my brain here. See, in the first book, does he ever cast a spell? I know. I think it's in the first film. He doesn't. He doesn't cast a spell. Right. It's, uh, like a thing. People, people notice, or maybe I made that up. Never noticed I, that. I, uh, I, can't, tra- I can't. He tries,
0: actually... tries to do, uh, like one guardian leviosa and things like that. But I don't think he's quite good at spells.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I've never noticed it. Yeah.
2: I th- just, just as as we were talking, I'm trying to think now of a situation where he cast a spell, or not trying, like he actually just did it. And I, I can't think of one. I, I can't think you. Yeah. It's always Hermione yeah. or sometimes Ron.
0: Yeah, and Ron does the regard of that also for the troll, but uh
2: yeah, that that's was the... that fake one at the start. Yeah,
0: yeah, the uh, conversation there he's had about the cottage. Remember, you you spoke earlier about the um. Hating that Harry was or one of the characters kind of was in a coincidence situation. Yeah. Well, he actually is fighting to be a good seeker by coincidence because he's you know he's getting Neville yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah uh, remember, yeah. and then he just happens to get caught. Like if yeah. that never happened, they would have never known yeah. he was a good good seeker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's another good example of it. There's a lot of there is a lot of coincidences in the Harry Potter books, um, but I think um. I think the good outweighs the bad. Like, definitely. So we're going to do a star rating now. One star if you hated it. Five stars if you loved it. And then everything in between. So I'll go on to Jonathan first. Um, Out of five, what do you rate Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone? By Stephen Fry and J.K. Rowling.
0: Uh, I will give it a 4.5. 4.5?
1: Yeah, I think
0: yeah it was I absolutely enjoyed it and like I said there, I didn't really have any like faults of it. Yeah. Um, I think just because the story isn't complete yet, I, that's the only reason I don't, you know, kinda give it a five until I'm completely through the story. Yeah. But um, in terms of this actual on its own I think, yeah, and the actual performance as well. I think the performance of Stephen Fry would give a five and the actual the story a four point five yeah so
2: overall 4.5 that's interesting so we're we're going to do the the narration um yeah i forgot we said we would
1: break it down like that okay yeah okay uh so on the steven out of five what would you give harry potter and the philosopher's stone
2: i think uh uh, i don't know Uh, i mean me my god's kind of telling me to say five because obviously you know big fan read it every year whatever uh, but my head's telling me to say a four, because if it was like a standalone book, right, uh, there are, a, I think, a, hmm, it, it definitely improves the book once you've read the other books. You know, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of stuff set up and, yeah. and whatever.
1: JK Rowling is good at improving on things that I think that, as it goes I, I on, like.
2: Yeah, I feel like I should give the rating for the book as a standal, as if it was a standalone, And I'm gonna say four. I, I like you know the world building, the the general story, all that. But there's a few times where there's stuff that either doesn't make any sense, um, or um, doesn't make any sense, or it wasn't needed, like Norbert yeah. or uh, yeah the Quidditch <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So I'm gonna say four. Four for narration. Uh, can can you go to six? Is that possible? Because I would. I would
1: absolutely agree. I think Stephen Fry is amazing. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um so I'm going to give my rating here and it might surprise you. So I am going to give Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone a 5. I think I I spent a lot of this review like uh, criticizing some things, but um I just tried to I wanted to give like a balanced view on things. But I think I think a 5 isn't flawless. Like, there's no such thing, in my opinion, as a flawless piece of art. Five, for me, is a masterpiece, and I think this book is a masterpiece. I think it is, the characters are so vivid, the setting is so vivid. It's just, it became the biggest cultural phenomenon in the world, and it's, it's just, there's a reason for that, I think, and it's just such a great book. It's so well realised in everything. And the, the, the things that I brought up as flaws in it, they're just so minor compared to what this book gets right it's just an incredible book and I always I read it basically I think every year because it was just an amazing amazing book um narration definitely a five as well I don't think I could say anything else that you guys haven't said on Stephen Fry it's just a great performance and I would give it top marks as well so we'll move on to comparison to other media um comparisons to other media um there are there are games stage plays based on Harry Potter as well the big one obviously is the movie um so we'll say that we'll start with that anyway um how do you feel the book compares to the movie? do you think the movie is a good representation of the book
2: I mean I think I think it definitely is like a, a good representation, but it it does lose a lot of things as Jonathan said um it it, it loses a lot, of, a, a lot of a lot of not key. Points, but a lot of interesting things, like a lot of quirks. Uh, but again, some stuff doesn't translate to cinema, so that's that's the thing. Now, if it was a TV series and the stuff was cut out, then I'd have I'd have more of a problem. But yeah, I think the movie. I don't like. I don't want to say faithful, right? But I think it it is a good um, representation of the book.
1: It is, I would say it as a faithful adoption. Like if you've ever, like, read like even. I read a lot of Stephen King books, and obviously, so many of his books have been turned into movies, and so so many of them are just so different to the books. Like, it's Harry Potter has a very faithful adaptation, even if it does change. I'm not something. saying it's
2: not faithful. I'm, I just don't want to use that term. Oh no, <laughs> I know.
1: I know you're not. I'm just. I'm just stating my opinion on, on whether it is or not.
2: Yeah,
0: I think. I think. Yeah, the. Yeah, the. um Yeah, it's right. It's faithful. Like the, the main points are still kept. I think it's just the minor details, like Peeves, like he's not absolutely key to the storyline or nothing like that I think he just maybe I think I don't know why they did drop him because I feel like it would have added a wee bit of tension you know because he's always playing the pranks that's kind of you know when they're trying to be quiet you know because they're sneaking around at night so I don't that element might have been good in the movie but it's not the absolute key so it's, yeah. that, it's not the worst end of the world that they took it out
2: I think he was caught because they were trying to fit a lot of stuff and and again like I said it doesn't there's so much in it that you can't put everything into the. Into the
1: film, into cinema. So yeah, yeah, I, I I do agree though with Jonathan. I I think um, page would have been worth putting on and maybe cutting something else. Um, I do agree. Like he's a good. He he would build tension. He does build a lot of tension on the stories. I think he would have been worth putting on. Um, but I think the movie. I, I as I said, it's it's a very faithful adaptation. It does, I think it does give a very good re- representation of the story. It's it's a really good movie, it's a really solid movie I wouldn't say, wouldn't quite describe it as a masterpiece the way I described the book I, w- I just think like there's something special, you you really experience Hogwarts reading the book
2: One thing about the movie is that some of the characters don't match totally what they should, like Snape's too old obviously, but it's Alan Rickman so mm. you know, he gets away with it uh, Yeah
0: Harry's eyes, Harry, Harry's eyes are blue whereas they're actually supposed to be green I mean, that's
2: yeah, brothers. that's like a key thing. Everybody keeps saying that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's never touched on in the film.
0: Because I, I, I actually... You uh, read a thing of the, the reason they did that, that is because they actually give him um, green contact lenses, but he was allergic to them, so they hurt him. So he, uh...
1: I was actually going to say, why not just give him contact lenses, but yeah, he... <laughs> totally yeah, oh, yeah, makes yeah. Sense.
0: they don't they don't try
2: out like but, but uh, yeah and, like hermione's supposed to have like buck teeth and stuff and, uh, and and you know but again that doesn't really it doesn't really matter that, that really that she's not yeah.
1: that's a that's a very common thing in adaptions where characters are just made to look a lot more you know pretty or handsome or whatever than they are described in the books like you can be more flawed in a book than you can in a movie generally in, in hollywood
0: uh, 'Cause you're not gonna upset anyone, but like I think like to Hagrid as well, you know, Hagrid's supposed to be absolutely huge, but there's only so much you can do on screen. You know, that even though they do a good job making him look so much bigger, like he's supposed to be like tw- twice the height of a normal man and stuff like that, it's yeah, but you no, know, it's I think the movies were definitely I mean the movies have what what got me into it so um, you know, I have a kind yeah. of soft spot for the movies. Um
1: Yeah. And and you you do rewatch like I rewatch the movies. Do you rewatch them regularly?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Every, every yeah so of
1: I think that's a that's a sign of a good movie if you rewatch it. Even if you can pick out bad things, the fact that you re- you rewatch it means something is done very right in it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So there's there's games as well. I've played. I played the. PlayStation game for Harry Potter. Um, did you guys play any games or anything?
0: Everyone, everyone knows PS One. Everybody knows
2: PS yeah. <laughs> One. Yeah. I mean, a perfect, perfectly faithful representation of Hagrid, right there. Say, yeah. That's what I picture I don't picture Robbie Coates. I picture that <laughs> <No. laughs> I mean, I'm listening to the book. But no, I, I mean the first. I think they should. I think they should remake those games. Maybe not remake the games, oh, but yeah. re- redo those games.
0: Yeah. Well, we one thing like that I'm quite for excited it. for is, is the new game, the Hogwarts Legacy. Like it's it's yeah. it's due to come out in February 2023. But
1: very excited. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Same, yeah. We'll but, see what happens, but but yeah, that's it's like gives you the chance to go to Hogwarts and you know kind of. I'm sure everyone when they turned eleven and didn't receive their Hogwarts letter was pretty disappointed.
2: So <laughs> Well see see we didn't we didn't get our letter because uh, uh he who Must not been in destroyed all the records of uh Muggleborns uh between eighty something and ninety seven. Oh. Is that what happened? So that's that's what happened, so uh, yes. they didn't know. They didn't know but they didn't know to send them. I see, I see. You'll find that out there, Jonathan, sorry spoilers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you guys? Uh, did you enjoy the game? Then I, I remember. I can vaguely remember it. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like the strongest Harry Potter game. I think the third one was the best game, but it was. It was pretty alright. I would say. I, I
2: would say the second one's the best game, but uh, I, I have not not so much the PS one uh, game, but the definitely the the Game Boy game. Or was a Game yeah. Boy Advance? I Can't remember one, one I remember two. that. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. I have very vivid memories playing it. And, yeah. Uh, that yeah, was a good I loved game. It,
1: loved it. it. was a really good game. Yeah.
0: The only thing I remember from the games is the one where you're in the the borough, the the house of the Weasleys, and you have to like smash the gnomes or something like that. That's the oh same yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's the only part of the game I remember. I I can't remember much. <laughs> I was obviously quite young, so.
1: So we're gonna do uh, trivia here. Um, I know this was my this was my pick, and I should really bring a lot to the table here, but. I've got very little to say on trivia this week. I'm letting the side down a bit. Um, do you guys have anything to bring up in terms of trivia?
2: Okay, so maybe this is uh, this is kind of expanding on what you said about Peeves, um, about, about, about him being cut. But uh, Peeves was actually supposed to, well, he was played by Rick Mayo, famous English comedian. And, uh, you know, he's in a lot of, a lot of sitcoms, not sitcoms, but like comedy shows that you see on like BBC and stuff, like The Young Ones and uh bottom and stuff um hilarious but the, the the trivia piece that i was going to bring up is that i, I think it was an interview that I, I watched with him and he mentioned about how he had told his kids that he was going to be in this film the, you know philosopher's stone and they got all really really excited and stuff and he didn't tell them who he was going to be and uh you know they went to the screening and stuff and and he didn't know that he had been caught Right, right. Uh. So they were watching this film uh, with his kids, or maybe he just went to the cinema or whatever. But they they watched right. the film. At the end, they asked him, "Oh, like who were you in the film?" And he, he told them that he was hi- he was Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> and not believed it.
1: That's heartbreaking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, but he but he said, he said he told him he was Hagrid or something. I think. So I think I thought that was pretty mm. funny. Uh, that is funny. Yeah.
0: I've got. I've got uh, a good one here um, I don't you might already know this but I will guess I'll just go for it now so you know that the book is actually called The Sorcerer's Stone in America yes, um, yes. and that is because the American uh, company that's published it they didn't think that a child would want the read some with the title of philosopher, so they yeah. changed it to sorcerer, they make it sound a bit more magical
1: mm-hmm. so yeah. uh
0: yeah, that is why the difference exists. Although yeah. I would always call it the philosopher because that's the first name that I heard about it. So that's what I. that call is, it,
1: but... that is Rowling's title. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have a que- a question. I have a qu- I have a question that I can ask. Yeah, to see yeah. See if he's oh. know the answer. So this okay, is yeah. just the test. This is the test your knowledge and see how much he's for paying attention. <laughs> And it, Now, this is actually mentioned again, I've only done the first four audiobooks, so it's actually mentioned again in, one of the, in the fourth one, I think, so um, had right. me, it's not like this is only mentioned in one place. So, right. which football or soccer team does Dean Thomas support?
2: West Ham. Yes. Correct. You've just reminded me about my other bit trivia, thanks. Go for it. So, did you know that Dean Thomas was supposed to have a bigger role? And uh, he was supposed to. He was supposed to. There's supposed to be more in the kind of core group. Um, like you know how so Neville. Like, so like
0: the the Hermione.
2: Yeah, yeah, Ham and Neville, I think, were supposed to be like in that sort of core friend group. And that's why in the first book, mm-hmm. you'll notice that Dean gets a lot, of, a lot of screen time, where like Seamus doesn't.
0: Right. Uh... I'm kind of glad they they did just make it the, the group of three. You know, I couldn't really imagine it being any bigger, like the three three is like a good number of kind of people they go you know because they're always getting in trouble and stuff it's always like a good kind of number
1: speaking for from a podcast of three people that's the perfect number <laughs> exactly so we're just gonna talk about um what else are we reading or what other media are we going for at the moment um is there anything you are reading at the moment jonathan or anything that you're watching or anything like that
0: um yeah i'll maybe talk about um Couple, of, so I would, I my profession is a software engineer, so I would listen to some software engineering podcasts. So, um, uh, one that's particularly good is the array cast So it's it's actually about array programming languages, which is what I usually use in my day to day. But it's quite interesting too for other people that are like our software engineers that are, uh, you know, one they maybe get into that kind of because a lot of banks and financial kind of people would use like factor languages um, so they're quite um, highly sought after but um, the actual podcast itself is quite interesting they have like lots of guests and things like that um, from that industry so yeah that that would be in, in terms of podcasts um, in terms of what I'm watching um, I've actually been watching The Crown recently um, after the death of Queen Elizabeth it just kind of got me you know wanting to kind of I would be quite into history so I was quite interested in the history of the monarchy and The Crown covers um, Queen Elizabeth's kind of reign from when she first gets crowned um so yeah and yeah so from what I've I've only five episodes in now but yeah it's quite good so far so
2: I'm first of all listening to Iron Gold again uh fourth book of the Red Rising series um another one that I love um and I'm absolutely gonna be mentioning that for one of my picks not the first one though but yeah uh (laughs) what else um as for like stuff I'm watching and I'm, that, yeah, not I'm kind of sleeping on on TV at the moment. You know, obviously like House of the Dragon and uh, Andor and what's the other one? The Lord of the Rings one. I haven't watched any of them, but I need to. Um, I actually just got I just finished uh, what we do in the shadows, the the series, the TV series, which You're is right. amazing. I've I would recommend. As there a movie. Uh, yeah, there was a the movie came out first, yeah. Um,
1: With um what you call him? T- he t- does t- yeah. I have seen the movie, yeah, it's really good.
2: Aye, so he, he I think he's like Where a, is that? It's Where on, it, uh, it on? iPlayer. Yeah. Uh, they they only have the first three seasons, not they don't have the fourth, but it's it's awesome.
1: <laughs> um so I'm just going to talk about uh one thing that I'm watching at the minute, is the last season of Better Call Saul. Uh, I've been—it's—it's all out at the minute for uh, as of time of recording. Uh, so I've got a bit of catching up to do. Um, I think I'm just finished the mid-season finale, and it is absolutely phenomenal, and I highly recommend it. It is really good. It mid-season just,
2: finale was a shocker eh? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, you know when people say their jaw dropped, I actually my mouth was open for a good couple of minutes after the credits rolled. So it was—it's really, really good. It's r- so well made plugs uh is there anything you want to plug any work that anything you're working on that you want to advertise here or anything
2: not for me it's all secretive i can't tell <laughs> all under under wraps um i guess
0: my, my myself i work on um so i work for a company kx um and they have a, a new community page so it's kind of like a, a stack overflow but for just for the company um it's called kx community um so i'm actually been making uh videos for the programming language Q that we uh, uh, use to program within the company um so those videos are actually just doing small coding challenges using the Q language um but yeah just something i've kind of been working on and you know if people are interested again like like the the redcast which is like a vector um podcast if anyone's interested in vector programming um yeah you can go go check it out
1: and uh i i am working on um another podcast as well in addition to this um just something (gasps) (laughs) it's just something i'm working on myself it's uh just some story narration so you get to hear me criticize people here and then do a really bad job of narrating stories on my own (laughs) but uh i haven't released anything yet and it's uh it's, it's something i want i hope to get one episode out this month so i'll i'll keep you updated on that on maybe the next episode nice and now it's time for next pick so I will just say this officially ends my turn I'm passing the torch now over to Stephen Stephen what is your pick for next episode
2: yeah my pick I'm a bit nervous about giving this pick because I'm slightly concerned that Michael was the one who told me about this book so it might ruin the guessing game but <laughs> here we go anyway my my pick is Inferno not not the Dan Brown one for, for those right. Uh, right not that one it right. is by uh, Niven, Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell. So that that's my pick. Uh, do you want to have a guess at what the book is about based on the title?
1: I know about on Larry Niven, so I think Jonathan should go first, just because I it's the smallest bit of context. But I have so it's okay, not going to so inform you, you my guess tell much me about better. It then. No, true. I don't. I've read the Dan Brown Inferno, and I thought that's what you were recommending for a second, but I haven't read the Larry Niven one now.
0: I don't. To be honest, it's just just based on the name Inferno. It sounds like something like the devil, essentially, because of you know you have Dante's Inferno and things like that. Um, so my guess is it's something in terms of that, in terms of Satan or demons, things like that. Okay. That's my my guess based, based just based I on the title. Should really
2: write this stuff down so that <laughs> I can see you next time? So what did you say, uh, Satan? <laughs>
0: well sure it's recorded
2: oh well yeah it's recorded but I'm not going
1: to listen back to it nah probably not so Satan oh this is this is tough like looking at the cover and the title I know I've heard of Larry Nevin's name before I've never read anything from him I've heard him be. I listened to uh, Writing Excuses which is a podcast hosted by one of my favourite authors Brandon Sanderson he's talked about Larry Nevin before that's where I know the name from I think he's a science fiction writer Um,
2: yeah
1: yeah. so I'm gonna um, based on this cover I'm gonna say that it's a religious allegory and it's something to do with hell I'll say that science fiction religious allegory hell I'll say it's a planet that's based on hell that they visit and I don't know (laughs) okay (laughs) I
0: actually feel better about my guess now (laughs) (laughs)
2: Good. uh we'll we'll come we'll see how, how close you were in the next episode then but uh yeah that's my pick so it's inferno by larry niven and jerry Purnell.
1: and that is it that ties up the first episode of the audiobook podcast uh thank you very much for joining us and that'll be inferno to read next week or listen to preferably because this is an audiobook podcast